Okay, so the reading is on page 71 of the Church Bibles, and it's Exodus chapter 14, verse 10 through to 31. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians, marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, <clears throat> Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide the waters so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of the Israelites' army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front of and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side, so neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The water was divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on the right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and clowned at the Egyptians' army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, Let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on the right and on their left. That day, 
the Lord saved Israel from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Mark. You've got the job. Very dramatic. Am I, sorry, am I, am I turned on? Am I turned on? Yes, no, yeah, there we go. I'm very envious of you guys coming into church all licking ice creams as I sat there warm and melting. <laughs> Any more takers? Good afternoon. Nice to see you. So we come to this third of our talks, Giants of Faith. And today we're going to look at this amazing, colourful story of a man called Moses. A man who gave everything to God to help create a better life for God's children. It's a story that spans over Moses' whole life, 120 years. I want to start, though, by considering the concept of faith. Before we dive into looking at Moses, because the story of Moses is a story of how God built faith into one man. And Scarlett's not here this morning. I'm going to put Steve on the spot. But Steve, I asked Scarlett a question this morning. And in our household at home, we spell faith slightly different. I don't know if you can remember. R-I-S-K. R-I-S-K. That's how we spell faith. Faith in our house, R-I-S-K. Because we know that faith is a risky business. The Oxford Dictionary defines faith as complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And if we're talking Christian faith, that would be complete trust, confidence in God. But the difficult for most people is that word complete. Because many of us struggle to trust God completely. But over and over in the Bible, we're told that God is a God who above all wants us to trust him completely. And I I wonder today if, if we want that too. Do we want to trust God completely? God has created us with the need to be able to completely trust someone. Everyone on the planet is yearning for someone to believe in. It's wired into our DNA. But unfortunately, most people have tried to trust other people and quite often have been let down in life. We always let each other down because we're all mortal and flawed. And many have come to the conclusion that they can't trust anyone or they just simply need to look out for themselves. And I believe that conclusion can only lead to an unsuccessful and unhappy life. Only God can satisfy that built-in need that we all have to completely trust someone. So what is the source of faith? If faith is something we're just supposed to generate ourselves... Or does God supply faith? Is God, if God supplies faith, then does that make it God's fault when we lack faith? Is that God's fault? Is that our fault? Maybe you've never even asked yourself that question, but there are questions that's bothered me at various times over my life. 
As a disciple of God's word, I've looked for answers, but found that even when the, what the Bible offers, if not studied properly, can appear to be a little bit confusing and may sometimes even appear to be contradictory. You have to have faith if you want God's blessing in your life. Our part is simply to seek relationship with Jesus. As our relationship with him grows, he builds faith into our lives. Trusting God is the fruit of knowing him. And that's why the Bible tells us that we only need a small mustard seed of faith. If we're simply inclined to believe God, it will build on that. That's start with faith. We can become faith giants without limits. It creates it in us. Today I choose to believe God and I pray that you'll join me too. So today's reading, Exodus 14, the crossing of the Red Sea. It reminds us that God makes a way out of nowhere. So let's have a look at this man, Moses. We all know Moses' backstory. I said this to everybody this morning. We all knew Moses' backstory. They went and told him it all. So I've, I've trimmed it a little bit. I thought, oh, what are you doing? Only because my wife told me. But it started, I'm not going to go through all the story, but it did start 300 years before Moses was even born, placed in a basket in the River Nile to be plucked out by Pharaoh's daughter. 300 years previous, we go to the story of Joseph in, Joseph in Genesis, when Joseph became Pharaoh's second in command. During a seven-year famine, his brother and his father, Jacob, came to live in Egypt. Jacob had 75 descendants, so you can imagine how that multiplied over 300 years. In fact, in Exodus 1, it tells us, so this is God's people multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. In my commentaries, it's, it, it, some talk 3 million, some talk 4 million. But even the king at the time was concerned how many Israelites there were. In fact, he even said, let's be careful how we treat them, so that when they grow numerous, if a war breaks out, they won't join our enemies, fight against us, and leave our land. The Egyptians were terrified of Israel. So they forced them to be servants, to work hard, making their lives bitter. And eventually, of course, as we know, it all turned into slavery and oppression. Enter Moses. I'm presuming we all do know that the story of Exodus. If not, read Exodus chapter, up to chapter 14, 1 to 14 this afternoon. It'll, it'll blow your mind. But the crux is Moses, who has raised, been raised in the royal palace. Moses kills an Egyptian after seeing him mistreating an Israelite. And Moses flees to a land called Midian. And he's there for 40 years, getting on with life. One day, Moses is tending to a flock of sheep and stumbles across God. Remember the story of Moses and the burning bush. And God gave Moses a commission which was to lead the Israelites, God's people, out from Egypt. God is preparing them a land, the promised land. This is massive. This is massive. But that's exactly what Moses did. Moses travels back to Egypt. Like I said, faith, R-I-S-K, it's risky business. The Pharaoh or king of Egypt would not let Moses take God's people to the promised land. So we go through a long list of instructions that God gave to Moses to try and break Pharaoh's tough, hard heart. The death of all the firstborn, which included both people and livestock, was the last plague of ten which struck Egypt. And this plague dealt with Pharaoh himself. The Egyptians worshipped him as the god Horus in human form. His firstborn son held equal status with him on the throne. 
God said that he would send, send plagues to demonstrate his power to Pharaoh so strongly that he would have to harden his heart in order to resist and keep God's people in Egypt. And at the end of all the plagues, Pharaoh would have to let God's people go. The plagues tested the Egyptians and Pharaoh, but Pharaoh was persistent and stubborn until eventually the last plague took the livestock of all the firstborn, Egyptian cattle and humans, including the son of Pharaoh. Pharaoh got to the point of bursting. He'd had enough. He summoned Moses and his elder brother Aaron. Get out, leave my people and take your sheep, your goats, your camels and go. And off they went. They went to they even took some of the Egyptians' gold and jewellery with them. And off they went. But Pharaoh, Pharaoh's stubborn. He realised he had lost all of his servants. All these people that have been doing all this work, building pyramids and temples, all gone. All of a sudden he's got no labourers. So Pharaoh chases after him. He sends chariots and horses. That brings us to today's reading as we get to the crossing of the Red Sea. And it didn't end there because 40 years in the wilderness before they reached the promised land, Moses saw the land but never stepped foot on the promised land. 40 years wandering in the desert, the exodus. If it had been straight from A to B, it would have took them 11 days. 11 days, yet it took them 40 years. Because God's people, the Israelites, turned out to be quite a handful. I should imagine we're all like that at times. Quite a handful. It took 40 years for them to learn God's ways and accept God's laws. And Moses, poor Moses, were like a piggy in the middle, forever interceding between the people who thought they knew best and a frustrated God. But faith works two ways. Moses had faith in Yahweh, and Yahweh had faith in Moses. But the Israelites' faith was weak. The Lord would spend many years building their faith. Some of them would respond, and others would not. I find it interesting that the Lord uses the desert in times of our lives to teach us to trust him in all of our needs. When we find ourselves in the wilderness, some of us respond by crying out to God and throwing ourselves into his arms. And other times, people respond by becoming bitter and blaming God and all those around them for their unmet needs. Hebrews 11 tells us, By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. The Israelites were between a rock and a hard place, with a mighty Egyptian army behind them and the Red Sea in front of them, and no boats inside. They cried out to God. Moses calmed them, convinced them to believe in the impossible. God opened the Red Sea. And Moses encouraged them to walk by faith, not by sight. But what about the Egyptians? We all know. Well, they didn't have faith in the God of Israel at all. They walked by sight. They had just seen the Israelites walk through the sea. So why couldn't they do that? No matter the size of the army or the challenge we face, with God on our side, we have them outnumbered. By the end of this chapter, we see the Israelites going from nothing but panic fear and chaos to praising God for saving his people and putting their trust in Moses. Something Moses is going to need as they all continue through the exodus another 40 years. And so it is with us. God makes a way. God asks us to act in faith with our feet. And God is always with us. The story of the Israelites crossing the Red Sea is one of 
well, that is inevitably, it makes us consider that our own lives are like when we are facing our own exodus. But more importantly, are we seeing others travelling their own wilderness journey? Who is it that you see who comes to their Red Sea crossing? What sometimes gets lost in the hanging there, God knows what he's doing stuff, when actually, what are we doing? What are we doing to reassure those suffering as they deal with their exodus, when they're trapped in the wilderness of life? And I'm sure we've all been there. Well, we have the supreme example of Jesus entered the waters of death and has passed through the other side to new life. In his death on the cross, Jesus passed through an, inter- an eternity of nothing into an eternity of everlasting beauty and joy. And if we're in Christ, which means in faith we strive to live like Christ, going and reaching the people where they are, including those in their wilderness journey, the path of the Red Sea, then we too pass through it with Jesus. Paul said in Corinthians, Brothers and sisters, I want you to know something about our people who lived long ago. They were all led by a cloud. They all walked through the Red Sea. They were all baptised into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They were all baptised, Paul says. They went into the waters and they came out. They passed through the waters of death and they came out to freedom. On one side of the Red Sea, there were runaway slaves. On the other side, they were liberated people. And this is what happens at the cross and at the resurrection. On Good Friday, we were slaves under the authority of sin and death and facing divine judgment. On Easter morning, we become liberated people, free from sin, free from judgment. Christ passed through the waters of death on our behalf. But he also achieved this so that we might listen to his commands to love our neighbour, to feed the hungry, to clothe the poor and heal the sick. Like the Israelites walking out with their own life behind them, we walk through life with our old selfish and inward-looking ways behind us. But, you know, sometimes this is just too much. Maybe you see sin and deceit on the horizon, just as the Israelites saw the Egyptian army. And you're afraid like they were. Will you return to your old ways? Will sin overtake you? What will stop you by, by being crushed? First, we've got to know God. Like Moses, we've got to put our total trust and faith in God alone. We have, to res- we have to have the revelation of who God is, how he feels about us, and what kind of relationship he wants with us. We have to know how much God loves us, what he's given up so much that we might live, and how he is committed to taking care for us. This is a detailed story of Moses, perhaps one of the greatest leaders of all time. Moses places his complete trust and life into the hands of God. And because of his deep faith, was able to accomplish great things. We're told that if we live our lives with faith, God will bless us and enrich us in unexpected ways. I want to summarise with five short characteristics of genuine faith that we learn from both Moses and Jesus. First of all, faith requires God to reveal himself. Faith requires God to reveal himself. You can't have faith in someone you don't know. And you can only know God as he, re- as he reveals himself to you. God created you to have fellowship with him forever. 
He's not hiding. He wants to be known by you. But you've got to seek God, and God will reveal himself to you. Secondly, faith sees. Those who have faith see what others do not see. One of their characteristics that all great Bible people of faith seem to share is the ability to see God in every daily situation. Remember that incredible song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. Believe me, you'll begin to see everything through new eyes. Thirdly, faith is action. Through faith, you start to take steps towards God's plan for you. This one may be the one that we as church understand the least. In church, we seem to have adopted a sense that a good work ethic somehow contributes to our holiness. Some of us have grown up in families where our worth was slightly attached to how hard we work. After all, faith without work is dead faith. You're going to have to get busy. I want you to hear that the action that accompanies faith has nothing to do with your works or with getting busy. First of all, the works are not your works. They're God's works. God is sovereign. God has a plan. And God is in the business of working out his plan. We've got to discern the plan, not put our agenda first or what we think is best. We seek this through prayer and through God's word. Fourthly, faith is courage. Having faith melts away fear. That fear that we've already mentioned, the times when we, in our own wilderness, how many times did Jesus say, do not be afraid? Even it says it, Moses says it today, do not be afraid. Do not fear. You have little faith. Easier said than done. But over time, when penny drops, you'll realise that anxiety and worry solves nothing. Again, that's easier said than done. But as you walk with the Lord carefully, believe me, that's, that's me. I used to worry about all sorts. I don't worry as much about many things these days. A few things I do. And finally, faith is risk. R-I-S-K. As your growing faith melts away fear, you take a leap into the unknown, just as Moses did. Not just at the foot of the Red Sea, but through his entire life. In fact, it started right at the beginning. Moses' parents took a risk by placing Moses into the Nile. Faith is not something we conjure up on our own, nor is it something that we're born with. Nor is faith a result of diligence in study or pursuit of the spiritual. True faith launches you into the danger zone between who you are now and who God wants you to become. True faith launches you into the danger zone between who you are now and who God wants you to become. Ask yourself, what are you involved in beyond your own abilities? What are you doing outside of your own comfort zone? Brothers and sisters, join the great adventure. Ask God to reveal part of his sovereign plan to you, the part that's designed for you. That as you see him working, begin to take steps with him. As you launch out, you will enter the most exciting time of your life. That's what my testimony is all about. My testimony is all about trusting and believing and faith in God. I never set out to be a priest. I had no inclination, but God called me. It was difficult. I stepped out. That's my testimony. Finally, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 makes it clear that faith is a gift from God. Not because we deserve it, have earned it, or are worthy to have it. It's not from ourselves, it's from God. It's not obtained by power or our free will. Faith is simply given to us by God, along with his grace and mercy. 
according to his holy plan and purpose. And because of that, he gets all the glory. God gets all the glory. Let's pray. Awesome and majestic God, your creative power, your glory and your holiness were experienced by your people during the exodus as clouds and fire guiding them to freedom. They believed that no one could see your face and live. So Father, how blessed therefore are we for you've revealed your faith to us in Jesus, the human face of your love. You also equip us for our journey through life and beyond by breathing new and everlasting life into the very being through the gift of the Holy Spirit. The people at the time of Moses believed that it was your presence with them which makes them a chosen and special people. Father, we praise and adore you, our God, for making our lives so special by choosing us to share your life through Jesus. So may this time of worship and service of our lives reveal our thanksgiving and our wonder that you should care so much for us. So Father, strengthen our faith in you. Allow us to put our trust in you as we go through this risky, challenging life together. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.